0: Say the game is getting old monday morning and your coffee's cold life is not what you want it to be You need hello everyone and welcome to a new direction my name is jay izzo and yes sir yes ma'am we have an outstanding show she's back by popular demand oh you said we love her she's outstanding well she's back and her name is Maureen Metcalf oh yeah baby she is fantastic she is the CEO and founder of the the Innovative Leadership Institute she is gonna blow your doors off again Right, We are going to have just so much fun with her. She is absolutely fantastic. I am telling you, this book, I, there was a reason why we brought her back for this book, right? The Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming Organizations is the name of the book. The reason why we brought her back is because literally so many of you have said, you've got to bring her back. She's really, really good. Well, she, she... You know, against her better judgment, and Marine really does not have bad judgment, but against her better judgment, I begged, and she said, "Sure, I'll come back on your show." And I thought, "Yeah, oh, <laughs> you know, that may not be good, but anyway, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a lot of fun with Marine. You're going to love her. We're going to, we're, oh gosh, it's just going to be great." But you know what? Before we get to Marine, let's do what we do every week, right? Here we are in the midst of this, uh, I guess pandemic. I, I don't know what else to call it. but you know we, we've been doing the last month, several months, right? Because it's been several months since we started this thing, right? The last several months, what we what, what we are what we are doing here is we are uh, talking about your training, right? How are you how are you training? And, and, and how are you training in the four areas of your life, right? Because what we've learned in the past from previous authors, especially those, those guys who, you know, talk to us, who were in special forces like Delta force or, you know, Navy seals or, you know, special operations forces, green berets, you know, every one of them said the same thing, right? When things go bad, when things get rough, when things get tough, when you're exhausted, when you are at the end of your road, the only thing you have to rely on is your training. And that's it. And you train in four areas of your life. You train physically, you train mentally, you train emotionally, and you train spiritually. And and if you're not constantly training, right, the problem is when things get really, really bad, what are you gonna have? What can you really rely on? So, and, and Maureen talks about this even too, is that as leaders, you know, if you're gonna be resilient, you know in your in your training as leader if you're going to be a great leader you have to have resilience and you can't have resilience if you're not training every area of your life right so we're going to look at the four areas of your training i'm going to ask you the same question all four areas how is your training going on a scale of one to ten? One is miserable ten is it just couldn't go any better it's awesome right so we're going to start physically right one to ten one's awful ten's outstanding five is average How's your physical training going? Meaning. How are you doing getting some exercise? how's your how are you doing drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, eating right? You know, cutting back on the alcohol, cutting back you know on the tobacco and the nicotine products, right? There's just a l- list of things that you could be cutting back on that can make you better physically. So if you were to tell me right now, all of you out there in the world who are listening to the show, Right, if you could tell me what's your number, what would your physical number be? And then the next question is, what are you going to do to change it right now? That you, you told me your number right now, wherever you're listening to me from, wherever you're at in this great big world, right? In the 60 plus countries that we have around the world listening to the show. What are you going to do to change it right now that you're going to commit to? Because that's going to be the next step in your training. All right, so you got a physical number. Next number is the mental number. Mentally, how's your training going? Meaning, what are you doing to grow in your knowledge and understanding and your wisdom? That's what I want to know. How are you? Are you reading? What, do you do, what are you doing to really engage yourself in growing your mind on some level? How, how would you rate your training? Right? I mean, you, you know, I'm not, I'm not bragging. It's just part of what I do for the show, but I read a book a week for the show. Right? That's what I do. Because I believe in the training of my mind. All right. That and by the way, that's a great place to start. If you're not reading, read. But the mistake mm-hmm. that we often make is when it comes to our mental training is that we allow things to come at us and we do not we are not active participants in our learning. And 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 Maureen is also going to talk about this later. She's going to talk about that, you know what, as a leader, you better be in constant learning mode. That's part of your training is to be in constant learning mode, right? If you want to be a great leader, if you want to be great at anything, you better be in constant learning. So what are you doing to learn every day? How would you rate yourself on that training on a scale of one to 10? One miserable, 10 outstanding, five is average. And then what do you need to do to change it? What are you going to commit to? What is your commitment right now? Not your intention, but what you're going to commit to right now that you're going to change your your mental, right? Part of who you are in your training. All right, so you got two numbers, physical, mental. Next one is emotional, right? You know what the beautiful thing about Maureen's book is, and by the way, it's called Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming Organizations. Beautiful thing about her book is, you know what? Your emotional intelligence is just as important as all your other areas. It's absolutely critical, right? So what do I mean by your emotional training? Well, I'm gonna give you some practice tips, all right? Here's a practice tip. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, how well are you able to maintain your emotions? That's practice. You get it? See, you get so you get a train, you get that opportunity to train when somebody cuts you off. You know, how about when somebody nags at you? That's your training opportunity because you have a choice of how you want to respond. How about when somebody gets in your grill? Can you remain nice? Ooh, see, that's a training opportunity, right? And then there's the other side of it, right? How well are you able? You know, let's say somebody's being really emotional. How well are you able to sit there and listen and really really understand their emotions. It's training ground, right? Part of training ground is to be able to sit in front of somebody who wants to emotionally emote with you and then be able to understand the subtleties of all their emotions. That takes requires emotional grammar, but it also takes training. And so when you get those opportunities, you have to take advantage of those opportunities to be right there with them emotionally. And that's that's critical, right? That's part of your emotional training. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing emotionally? When, right, 5 is average? And then what are you going to commit to to change yourself in your emotional training? And then finally, there's the spiritual training aspect. What do I mean by the spiritual training? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you remove the physical, the mental, the emotional, right? If you remove that, what do you have left? Spiritual. And people say, well, I am not spiritual. I, I do not have a spiritual bone in my body. And I go, yeah, you do. I promise you, you do. Because there's things that you cannot explain that touch you in a way that go way beyond your emotions or way beyond your thought process. Beyond that, you know what? Everybody has faith in something. You believe in something. You go, no, I don't. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, if if you have a vacation or you have plans in your future, that means that you have faith that it's going to happen. And when you have faith that something is going to happen, that tells me that right away that you have faith in something else. You cannot, you cannot say, I have plans in the future without faith. I guarantee you have faith. You believe in something. You believe that something brings you back to center. You believe that something puts your heart at rest. You believe that something keeps you at peace, right? For some people it's God. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's maybe it's nature. I don't know what it is for you, but here's what I will tell you. I promise you you the habit. And the question is, how is it working for you? that's the question on your training because if it's not working for you just like any other part of your training if it's not working for you you know what you may need to change it that's the fact you may need to find another you may need to find another way to get yourself back to center so on a scale of 1 to 10 how's your spiritual training and you've heard me say this before look spirituality is not going to church and thinking about fishing all right spirituality is going fishing and thinking about god so as it comes to your spiritual training, what are you going to commit to, to change, to be better? So there you got your four numbers, right? Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Think of those legs of the chair. If, we're, if our legs of our chair aren't even, our posture is bad and it's going to make things hurt down the road. And at the same time, if the legs of the chair are too low, it's going to make create all sorts of issues. And... And besides that, you can't eat at a normal table. So that brings me to the four-part woman, and I love her to death. Her name is Ms. Maureen Metcalf. She's the founder and CEO and board chair of Innovative Leadership Institute, which is a highly sought-after. Uh, she's a highly sought-after expert in anticipating and leveraging future business trends to transform organizations. Organizations, I'll get that out. My tongue is tied. She has captured her 30 years of experience, and by the way. There's no way she's done this for 30 years because she looks like she's just a little over 30 of experience and success an award winning series of books, which um, are used in public, private and academic situations and organizations to help align company wide strategy systems and culture with innovative leadership techniques. Uh, She is a preeminent change agent. Maureen has set strategic direction and then transformed her client organizations to deliver significant business results such as increased profitability, cycle time reduction, improved quality and increased employee engagement. For years, she's been willing to share her hard-won insights through conference speaking opportunities, industry, industri- industry publications, radio talk shows and such as this, and video presentations. She has an amazing track record uh, where she's working with high-performing clients from the local Ohio small business to the Fortune 15 organizations such as the U.S. Army uh um, and, and to the U.S. Army. Client, her areas of uh, client mainstays include technology, engineering, manufacturing, financial, and medical services. Um, she's also she's also goes over to the United Kingdom and Europe. She her she has expertise implementing change in strategic directions, merger acquisitions, spin-off divestments, large-scale systems installation, business re-engineering, governance, and success planning. Oh my gosh, she does it all, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome back to the show and welcome back to a new direction, Marine Metcalf. Welcome, Maureen.
1: Jay, thank you so much. I am delighted to be here with you. There is no place I would rather be <laughs> at this moment than with you and with your listeners.
0: Well, thank you. You know what? We uh, we love having you. Literally, I had so many people either come to me personally, or come to me, or write me saying, "Gosh, she's really good. Can you get her back?" Oh. Is it possible to get her back? And I, when you agreed pretty quickly that you would, uh, I was like, yeah, well, she, she agreed. She she doesn't know what she's getting herself into, but that's okay. We'll let her go do it it's, anyway. Um, but the, the book, by the way, the book is awesome. I, I told you I've read this thing probably four, maybe five times. I don't even know how many times I've read it. I keep reading it. The Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming Organizations. And you, know, you come out of the book you do talk about that. We, you know, we talked about this last time that it's everything is moving so fast, and now that we're in the midst of a pandemic, things are even moving faster, especially if you're in leadership. Yeah. For sure. But I had something hit me in this book this time as my as I'm reading through it that didn't hit me before, and I called it leadership insanity. And and I pulled it right out of your book. You never said it exactly in these terms, but we know we all know the statement that that. Albert Einstein made that was, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But you say this in this book in pretty much this very similar fashion, that if you as a leader expect that you can do the same thing that you've been doing as a leader over and over and over again, and expect your people to change and expect your organization to change, that's that's leadership insanity. Have I Did I miss it?
1: You got it exactly right. And and it is even more poignant with the pandemic, right, that, that people who were brilliantly successful up until February are, are hitting a wall where the world has, ch- the, the ecosystem has changed. And the things they did to make them brilliantly successful, in many cases, aren't working like they used to. And now, certainly some of the things people do continue to work, but others don't. And so it's about elevating or updating how we lead. So yes, you hit it dead on.
0: You know, one of the things that I was telling we, you and I were talking before the show, and one of the things that struck me before the show was that I just it just blew my mind was that for the first time, I'm a big sports guy. I love sports, but for the first time in my life, I finally understood that sometimes why coaches have to be fired, because I would say, you know, the players, it's not the players' problem right the players you know this i mean it's the players problem the coach is one guy you've got you know x number of players out there you know they're the ones right but then i started thinking about it from your books standpoint and going yeah but your 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 organization is only as good as your leadership and if you're yeah. and if and and if your leadership is failing or if the people are no longer i guess following or you're no longer inspiring them to some sort of change, then it really does fall on the leader then, doesn't it?
1: Well, even worse, if the people are following and what the leader's doing is, is no longer effective, mm-hmm. then you really sub-optimize the investment the organization is making and the stewardship responsibility the organization has for all of these people who show up to give their best effort and if the leader isn't effective, they're giving their best effort for the wrong or for a suboptimum outcome. It's probably not the wrong outcome, but the, either the approach or something that's happening is less effective than it used to be. And that it impacts everyone in the system, mm. every stakeholder is impacted.
0: Yeah, that's that's this is the problem. You know, um, I'm not going to use it, but you know, they say stuff runs downhill, <laughs> right? I mean, mm-hmm. right, right. That, I mean, yeah. And it, it, but when you start, when I start reading your book again, I started going, well, you know what? It's absolutely true. And 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 the problem then becomes, you know, are we as leaders so dense to ourselves that we? And I I guess this is a question for you. Are we so dense in ourselves that we don't even realize that we're stuck in our ways to the point that we can't get out? Is that that our problem?
1: I I think the problems cross a range. Uh, Let me give a story of a senior executive who was a a friend, uh, not a client. Um, And he was not a client because his point of view was, I'm brilliantly successful, why a seven figure, eight figure salary kind of amazingly well compensated. Um why would I talk to a coach to change anything about what I'm doing? It's working. Mm. Um he got a big job offer, left the, the role, um, so I I didn't interact with him anymore. And he was fired within a year for non performance. Um it, it, Often people, well, as humans, we have all kinds of reasons we don't want to change. For some people, they don't have, it doesn't make, the value proposition's not there. Mm. I'm going to invest my time in learning and growing, Right. but why would I? I don't have to. Yeah,
0: um, I, yeah, I know. you know, the human factor of this is, you know, as a psychological professional, Maureen, one of the things that really clicks in my head is how stubborn we are to change we we just really are resistant to change because we kind of like we kind of like oftentimes sitting in our own dysfunction you know and right
1: you know so i'll share a bit of a personal story um my dad was a vietnam vet Uh, he did two tours of duty and so he came back with what we would now call PTSD growing up in that environment. That was normal for me. So he was a little emotionally sensitive. Um, and so we, as as the kids, especially kind of, um, were very careful around dad, not to upset him in a way that is not normal for kids of those ages. So as I grew up, I continued to contort myself in my own head about what was, quote, normal. Mm. When I had to face the fact that that was my upbringing was not um, from a psychological perspective, wasn't healthy, Mm. then it forced me to either continue to live in that kind of illusory world or face all of the things that that upbringing did to me to make my habits ineffective. Not blaming my dad, he served his country very honorably. Unfortunately, that service in his case impacted us as kids and so it's my responsibility now as an adult to um, attend to my own inner workings to, to bring them to a place that is healthy for me as an adult and a leader. And so I think often as humans we we are um dented is my very pedestrian word. Um we become dented over the course of life and it we just have to go get the dents pulled out.
0: <laughs> Which by the way, is not sometimes it's not only not easy, but it's also can be very painful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Right. Imagine sure. being the fender of that car I just ran into a post. <laughs> yeah. The fender hurts. Yeah.
0: Well, and getting it pulled back out hurts too. By the way, it's not exactly yeah. it's not exactly yeah. pleasant either. By the way, we're with Maureen Metcalf, and she is the author and of this book, a great book entitled Innovative Leaders' Guide to Transforming Organizations. And you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, everyone, you know, New Direction has a couple of great sponsors, right? And uh, Epic Physical Therapy is one of them. And whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery or you're suffering every day, aches and pains, or maybe you're having difficulty performing activities of daily living, maybe, maybe you're an athlete and you just are not performing at the level you want to perform at. You know what? Here, you, you can go to the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy. I'll tell you why. I use them and here's why I do. Because they will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. See they understand that you know when they rehab you know young athletes to professional athletes they they understand that they have to treat the entire body as a functional whole they can't just treat the symptom or the injury so look when you're ready for your epic relief your epic recovery and your epic results you know what don't go any further start with epic physical therapy and you can learn more by going to epicpt.com that's e p i c p t.com and Linda Kraft and team realtors for thirty-five years. They have been helping people all over the world uh find their dream home or find the find their dream home or sell their dream home, right? And the reason why they've been at the top of the game for 35 years is because they have one really great edge. And you know what it is? Relationships. They really do believe in relationships. They believe in the power of the personal relationship. They believe also that your home is more than just a physical number that you purchased. They understand that probably you're going to go your whole life remembering things that happened in your home. I mean, think about it. How many of you can remember your grandma's house? Does anybody remember how much she paid for it? Probably not but we all do remember those memories, don't we? And Linda understands that those memories were created in that home, so she wants to take care of it the same way that you took care of it. And so that's why they call her the memory maker, the relationship maker. So if you're ready to sell your home or buy your next home, why not go to the Legends of Customer Service? That's what her clients call her. Why not go to lindacraft.com? That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on a new direction with Maureen Metcalf and uh, her outstanding book, which I just love, "Innovative Leaders' Guide to Transforming Organizations." I think I've read it. Matter of fact, and not only did I, not only do I have a, co- a physical copy of it, but I also, I also purchased it on Kindle so that I could refer back to it. So um, make sure that you get your paperback or your Kindle version. It's it's a great book. I'm just telling you, it's gonna be useful for you as a leader. Matter of fact, the reason one of the reasons why I had to get it on Kindle is I loaned it to one of my clients. To have them read and, and mm. look through leadership, and they never gave it back to me, and so I had to get the Kindle version and, and read the Kindle version again, and so uh, I'm glad that we did. So you know what? I know that we've got a plan. Maureen and I have a plan. Leave it to Maureen. Maureen <laughs> loves plans, and so we, we came up with a plan of how we're going to do the show today, and so we're going to talk about the five elements of innovative leadership and we talked a little bit about a couple of the fir- the first two a little bit leadership type and development so what we're going to do is we're going to give you a real brief overview of leader type and developmental perspective and and just to give you full understanding and then we're going to move to resilience situation analysis and leadership behaviors and so let's talk about what this leadership this the, the five elements and why is it a pyramid first of all why is it why is it a pyramid why did you make it a pyramid anyway
1: it, it may be because I'm not creative enough, but, but there, <laughs> I wasn't um,
0: expecting that. That's fantastic. But
1: but there is there is thought behind it. So so the the foundation is our personality type, I, and I especially as a psychotherapist, um, I'm sure you have a point of view on type. Sure. The reason we use it is um, that in a lead, there is Ph.D. level research about understanding personality type in leader development. It's not that it is so precise that it drives everything I do, but it gives me tools to become more self-aware. And when I work with people other people who use the same diagnostic tool. I happen to use the Enneagram, but that's mainly because uh, my co-author is an expert in the Enneagram. Right. So um, it's it's a very useful tool, and that's the tool the doctoral-level research was done on. It, by no stretch do I think it's the only or the best. It is a, a tool that has been researched in leader development, and that's that's one of the rationales. Why we care about it is all of us have a set of predispositions uh, that are mostly shaped by the time we're an adult. And again, Jay, you can talk far more um, than I can and, and certainly more informed about how they change. In the leadership space, I make the assumption that unless there's a dramatic change, people tend to remain the type they are, so understanding who I am, who you are, and how we relate is helpful. The second piece is foundational to leader type for me, it is that once I understand my predispositions, I can mature, so leadership maturity, I can mature each of those uh, preferences. So an example, I'm an introvert. Um, I... So I'm okay in the pandemic. I'm I am very happy on (laughs) Skype with you today. (laughs) When I first started speaking, I think at my first paid speaking engagement the microphone didn't work properly. People left. I secretly wanted them all to leave. I was so uncomfortable. (laughs) didn't ask them to leave but i was confused about why anyone stayed because i couldn't hear (laughs) i needed to kind of build some maturity around my introversion right right and and part of why there are a few reasons this is really important um having worked with mba students for now decades um what i hear from them often is i thought my personality type meant that i couldn't be effective outside of that type. It was, a um, more of a firm boundary than a preference. Mm-hmm. And, and as we learn about maturity, I can mature, I can grow up my personality basically so that I have, a, so it's a preference, but it's not a restriction.
0: Right. Right. I think that's, that. I think that's critical for people to understand. I, you know, I, first of all, I think that we all are built with a set of bents, okay? meaning that we're bent to go in a particular direction. How we how we arrive at what those are, I, there's just as you said, there's so many tools. I happen to be a fan of the Enneagram, by the way. I happen to be a fan of Myers-Briggs. I, I happen to be a fan of several uh, different instruments. I, I happen to be a fan if you combine all of them. Uh, I think that's also a useful tool as well. I happen to be a fan of these because I think, a lot of times we just don't know ourselves very well. And I think what these tools really are supposed to do is help us to understand ourselves a little bit deeper because we have a shallow, such a shallow view of who we are. Meaning, when I say that, meaning, well, we go kind of go, I am what I am, and we really don't dig much further beyond that. And I think mm-hmm. the, the tools that w- that you present here in the book, which I I, I love and I, I, I really do, I think are really just really to help dig beyond that surface of well I am what I am I'm, I, you know I can't I can't change it the truth of the matter is well you may not be able to change your your bent your your full bent but you know you can tweak it quite a bit you you still have a lot of choices within your own personality of what you can choose or not choose to do and I think that's I think that's the I think that's really to me you know is part of this whole idea of okay I am born with certain certain elements in my personality I get that but but I can tweak a lot of these things just by making different choices right I can,
1: yeah and even more than that given a a concerted and deliberate development program I I can not only grow beyond my personality but bring in Significant additional capacity than I had if I weren't deliberately developing.
0: Right, right, right. Which, which, by the way, so if 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 uh, if the first, the base, the very foundation of the pyramid, which is what we've been talking about, if that's the that's the leader type, all right, that moves us to the layer right on top of the foundation, which is our developmental part, the developmental part. Mm-hmm. which is, is is the importance of the developmental perspective is what is what you title in chapter two. And you, you use a term here. It says meaning-making or how you make sense of experiences. Uh, it's important because the algorithm you use to make sense of the world influences your thoughts and actions. Help pull this together, the developmental perspective, that layer on top of the personality piece, the leader type.
1: So let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. You and I, I, I think, are the same age. Yeah. Um, so no if how. you think back to when you graduated from college, you uh, were 20, 21.
0: Yeah. 21, 22. Yeah. it took me, it took me an extra semester because I screwed around my first semester.
1: <laughs> we admire, we admire that. Parents don't always, but, yeah,
0: yeah, no, <laughs> um, took an extra semester.
1: so my guess is when you got out of college, you thought you had the world figured out.
0: Well, I was smarter than my parents were for certain, and I was certainly (laughs) smarter than anybody that I'd ever worked for, and I was certainly smarter than my sister, and um, smarter than a whole bunch of people until I went to grad school.
1: Okay, so your meaning-making algorithm when you graduated from college was the level, um, and and there are different labels for these terms. Um, I'm using the ones that come out of Bill Torbert's article published in HBR, Mm -hmm. so Harvard Business Review, just so we have a level set. So when you came out of college, you were at the developmental level of expert, which is (laughs) I – I, right. I know everything. <laughs>
0: That's so um, sad. It's so sad that you put it like that, but yes.
1: <laughs> right. And I'm not introspective because if I become introspective, it um, reveals that I really don't know everything. Right. So those go together. I'm, I know everything and I'm not introspective. So my meaning making algorithm is that of uh, someone who is, Focused on developing external expertise, and that's my value in the world.
0: Right. It's very self-serving, isn't it? I mean, because it, it's 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 ex- extraordinarily selfish and self-serving.
1: Well, it's if we think about the levels of maturity, that's an appropriate level of maturity for a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are 50 and still that way,
0: right.
1: you are self-centered. If you're <laughs> 20 and that way, you're normal. <laughs>
0: I got to tell you something. There's a lot of 50-year-olds listening to the show, and you know who you are. And I got to tell you something. She just called you out. You are selfish, okay? I just want to let you know that you are selfish out there, some of you 50-somethings. I'm just saying, just saying. So one of the other parts of this piece, right, of the the developmental perspective for myself and developing that, but also I have to kind of develop uh, this perspective of others, right? Isn't that kind of the, there's a developmental piece of understanding Mm -hmm. other people as well and how we interact.
1: So, so as I go through the, the, and this gets back to the meaning making. So as, as an expert, my making sense of the world is all through this, um, aperture in a, think of a camera aperture. Mm -hmm. It's a small one, right? I, I'm, I think task, not process. I think three months to a year. Right. I may use the words long-term, but my my um, the way I cal- calculate is really fairly small, right? again, appropriate to a 20-year-old. Right. As I mature, I am able to, literally from the psychology perspective, able to take additional person perspectives. So I'm able to, and now in a conversation, and I assume you and I both do this right. just naturally, I wonder what you're going on, what's going on for you. I think right. about, um, when I say something, how will that make you feel the, that it becomes then wired in a, a bigger, um, a, Going back to your physical, emotional, spiritual, the my emotional intelligence comes online as I mature to a, a later or more mature level.
0: Yeah, right. Because I mean, okay. I think there's a couple things in in there. I mean, because there's, there's I'm gonna I'm just gonna just kind of pull out a couple pieces here. So I think the first thing is I am I am concerned about what is important to you first of all and mm-hmm. yeah. how, how that I think I think there's there because I want it I want it to be important to you I want what I'm doing on the show right now is you know am I asking an intelligent enough question that's important to you but I'm also considering the listener right I'm also considering I I, I want it to be something that's useful for them and I know here's the other thing because you and I have done this before, and we have chatted and uh, we are both concerned that whoever's listening to the show, that are we giving you something that is helping you grow because we you and I are both about growth at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so we take that into consideration. And I think that that does make meaning, right? Because for both of us, right? doesn't that is am am I missing what you're trying to get at in the developmental perspective where I missed it?
1: you got it okay. so at the expert level at 20 years old you made sense of the world based on your limited experience of the world mm-hmm. at 50 you have a much broader experience of the world and your thinking and emotional intelligence and spiritual awareness mm-hmm. and and fitness have all expanded your aperture so now when you have the same thing happen to you at 50 that you did at 20 your, how you interpret it will be different. So so the example you gave in the, the intro, someone cuts you off. Right. Um,
0: I heard you laugh at, at 20, that, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At 20, I may have said, that guy's out to get me. Right. Or, you know, it might have been personal. He's a jerk. Oh, I wonder he's a jerk. That, yeah. Right. Well, I may still think he's a jerk. But, uh, <laughs> but I more consider, is that person having a bad day? Right. Are they... Um, when I drive by and observe them, are they even safe to drive sometimes? Mm-hmm. Um, what what experience are they having in the world? I don't try to run them off the road. Right. Um, what I, I was a really aggressive 20-year-old driver. Um, I actually had someone jump out of their car and shake a um, tire iron at me. Mm-hmm. I don't do that now. I, I've kind of grown up. Right. And the meaning-making grows up, too.
0: Right. You know, I, I, I get it. her name's is uh, Marine Metcalf. By the way, you're listening to here on a new direction, and uh, her book. By the way, you got to get it. You got to get it. Seriously, you got to get the book. It's called Innovative Leaders Guide to Transforming Organizations. Seriously, you've got to get this book. She's got a series of books, right? So if you're in nonprofits as well, you can actually get her nonprofit version. And she's just got. They're just all over. Amazon bookstores, everywhere, right? Just pick it up. It's a Kindle paperback. I'm just telling you, you need to pick up this book. It's, 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 I, like I've told you, I've read it four or five times. I've given it, gave it away to one of my coaching clients and They never gave it back. So, well, what are you going to do? So you have to buy the Kindle version. (laughs) It's just, it's as simple (laughs) as that. And you go on and and you move that. I want to quote from this particular chapter is you, you say this, in order for you to be successful as a leader over the long run, it is essential to understand your proper fit within the organization, which includes understanding who you are and what you value, where you belong in the organization and where you belong within the broader team and community stakeholders. It is also important to apply this concept to others as you are making hiring decisions, assigning people to roles, determining individual roles within a team, and communicating with others. Expand on this because I found that to be a very powerful quote from you.
1: Thank you, because I think this is one of the most important characteristic or most important ethical um, pieces of using developmental psychology. Uh, people tend to, in our society, say more is better, higher is better. You've got a graduate degree, you are smarter. Um, whatever it is, you, you're a CEO. You're probably better than a VP, better than a director. Um, from the from the lens of developmental psychology, where I am on the developmental spectrum indicates where I best fit in the organization. Mm. If I am a strategist level, I am going to be more effective at a senior role. I have a longer time horizon, more complexity of thinking. By the way, I'm less inclined to follow rules. Um, I I am better fit at that executive role. I am less effective at a role that is um, more rote or routine. Mm-hmm. so if if i so back to our com- conversation about experts and and um folks uh straight out of college i shouldn't have been in a leadership role i didn't didn't know stuff right um right. i didn't <laughs> i i knew economic theory right um i knew how to use a spreadsheet <laughs> i should not have been making decisions and you know the good news is the company i was working for didn't you know, didn't offer me those senior executive <laughs> roles. Um, as we, so it's what I'm trying to integrate here. Two messages: higher is not better. Higher right. is better at senior leadership roles. Not everyone wants those roles. Not everyone should have those roles. Wherever we are on the developmental progression, there is a right fit job for us. It, it in. I almost want to do a dating analogy, right? If you are a seven foot tall basketball player, you may want to date someone who is of equal physical stature. Right. If you are a five foot three piano player, you're probably not dating a seven foot three tennis player, right? Right? The, 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 we fit well based on um our beliefs our values our professions mm-hmm. similar with the developmental piece there are several factors that go into fit for role it is not only do i have the technical skills it's also the level of of leadership or individual maturity uh, that i demonstrate so um when i talk about succession planning there are a couple things i think about um for individual people I'm coaching, where do you want to be in the world? And then how do you move through the developmental levels to get there? If you're not already there, if I'm trying to fill a role, um, because, um, so think about the meaning making and developmental levels. Um, part of one of the characteristics is complexity of thinking. So even your simple example about how do we think about listeners you're thinking about what do I want? I'm thinking about what do you want? We're both thinking about listeners. We're thinking about what do they need now? What do they need after the pandemic? Um, Who are they going to share this with? So we're thinking second, third, fourth order of detail. Those are the, that's the thought process that one needs for a senior level role. Again, not everyone's there and not everyone should be there, but if I'm trying to hire someone for a senior role, I need to be looking at more than um, how profitable their last P&L was.
0: Right. Her name is Maureen Metcalf. Isn't she awesome? Gosh, she's awesome. Her book's entitled Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming Organizations. And you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks. You know, we talk about them. You know, epic physical therapy. You know why? Because I really do love them. look. Here's one of the reasons, <laughs> well, a couple more reasons, actually a lot more reasons. I really like Epical Physical Therapy because they offer the most advanced, top-of-the-line equipment. That's one of the one of the reasons. You know, they have the anti-gravity treadmill, which takes the pressure off your joints so that you can go ahead and you can run if you're a runner. I happen not to be a runner, but but you know what? It still takes the pressure off your joints. It's pretty cool. There's the Normatec compression sleeves, which makes you feel like, you know what, your joints are all held together again. And then there's the Game Ready, which is this ice-cold, pressurized, uh, wrap around your joints, and it just takes all the the swelling out of it. It's just amazing. I love it. Not only that, they are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, including blood flow restriction therapy, otherwise known as BFR, dry needling, which is cool. By the way, you think it's acupuncture, it's really not. It's dry needling, and what they do is it actually gives you a lot of pain relief. It's really amazing. And then there's cupping, which is how they manipulate the muscle through the skin. So you may see circles on people's back or legs or whatever. Well, it's probably from cupping. Look, when you're ready for your Epic Relief, your Epic Recovery, and Epic Results, you know what, start no further than by going to Epic Physical Therapy. And you can learn more by going to Epic... PT.com That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? Located in Raleigh, North Carolina, they actually, which is known as the Research Triangle Park, by the way, which is what they help, which is Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, and the surrounding area. It's over a million people. Look, but they've been helping people around the world. And how do you, how do, you do that? You know, if you live in this one area of the U.S., how do you help people all over the world? Well, I'll tell you how Linda did it for 35 years and how she continues to do it. Well, first of all, She doesn't belong to any sort of national company. She is her own company. So that gives her the opportunity to meet Mm -hmm. realtors from all different companies so that she can find the best expert to help you match up wherever you live without being loyal, having to be loyal to a particular company or group because she is her own company. She's not franchised. So that makes it really, really great for you that when you want to start with somebody who's unbiased. Somebody who has searched through the myriad names that are in your area, she could tell you who the best expert is in your area. Not only that, there's a reason when you are at the top of your game for 35 years, you must be doing something right. You have to admit that, right? Because most companies are gone after 30 years. But if you can stay at the top of your real estate game for 35 years, there's something that you're doing really, really well. And you know what that is? She understands the power of the relationship and the power that the memories have in a home. So when you're ready, to talk to somebody who really understands how important your home is to you, that it's more than just a business transaction, that it's a life transaction, then talk to Linda and her team. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here with Maureen Metcalf and uh, here on A New Direction and Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming Organizations. And um, we made a promise that we were going to buzz through this quickly. And we, we of course, aren't (laughs) we not? We haven't. We haven't. But we are going to. We're going to move on. So we have have talked about the developmental perspective, which is on top of the leader type. And now we're going to move up to that middle layer, the resilience layer in Chapter 3. So... You know, you come right out of the chute in this chapter saying, okay, there's that farm boy, pardon me, right out of the shoot. You come right out of the you come right out of the come right out of the gate with it going, as a leader, you need to be physically and emotionally healthy to do a good job.
1: And actually I talk about I think the four legs of the stool that you talk yes, about you do. in the intro. Yep, you do. So manage your physical well being. Right. Manage your thinking. Yes. If I am obsessing over things I need to find a way to manage my emotion or my thinking because negative thinking causes physical physiological yeah. response. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, so, and, and significant physiological oh, response. yes. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So I can't be physically healthy if I'm walking around obsessing all day. Then then there is managing the power of connection and managing my emotions. Right. And um, I group emotions and spiritual having a sense of purpose together. Right. Um, So I need to have, again, to your point, it's not religious, but I have to believe in something bigger than myself. Right. And I have to be aware of my emotions and manage them. And it, walking around in an interconnected body, if any of these are off balance, then I will – my physical health will suffer. My thinking will be unclear. And um, there, there is good data about the impact of being sleep-deprived being similar to right. having the functionality of a drunk driver. Yep, it is. So – um, so it's not like I can be clear thinking when I'm not sleeping well, right. it's not like I can be clear thinking when I am putting myself in, um, constant turmoil because I'm obsessing over what my boss did or what my employee did or what my spouse did or, or that spin takes my brain offline. Right. So, without managing all of those collectively we can't maintain our health we can't maintain our functioning and ultimately even beyond being a good leader just being a good human being for your family right. or for your friends take care of yourselves
0: well you you talk about you know you talk about the elements of resilience and you know you and I, I have been using this for years since I started the show, that we're going to open up the show every day, check in with everybody and find out where they're at. Because I really am a firm believer that we we need to check in at regularly, find out where we're at in these four areas. And you call mm-hmm. it, you know, the maintaining your physical well-being, managing thinking, using the emotional intelligence to fulfill your life purpose, and then harnessing the power of connection. And uh, listen, I think you could you could, in my opinion, based on what I read, you know, using int- emotional intelligence for f- to fulfill life purpose and harness the power of connection, to me, if you kind of combine those, to, a piece of each of those together, that comes up with the spiritual area. That's kind of, I could take e- an l- element of both of those and create the spiritual piece from that. But I, I, I re- people do not understand in the leadership realm because I run into a lot of leaders who do not physically take care of themselves. And they make excuses for it. Go ahead i could i could see you're chopping oh. at the bit to go for it <laughs>
1: well so think about we as a society seem to reward workaholics and martyrs yeah, so we so we get the message that if you're taking time to go work out you're not as dedicated to your work
0: mm. right 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 I, yeah we we excuse do you know I really believe that, you know, we blame kids for fast food. I don't believe that fast food is a kid problem. I believe that fast food is a leadership problem.
1: Well, yeah, because kids aren't driving to McDonald's.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. That's the point. Do you know how many people, do you know how many, any executives I go, dude, did you just, did you just go to a fast food restaurant? You couldn't make a better eating choice, right? I don't have time. You know, I need to eat. I just need to eat. I'm like going... Yeah, but there's just better choices than what you're making, and mm-hmm. and and we're, and and I keep, golly, it's just it I it just it frustrates me to no end because one of the simplest things that you can do is actually take care of your body. You know, mental stuff can be a little hard. I get it, right? You you know because mentally it can be challenging, but you can get through it. Emotionally, it can be a challenge because. You know, we kind of like to go with the flow with our emotions. We don't want to have to control them. We want, we oftentimes, and by the way, wrongly, we think that I got to just let out my anger. By the way, when you get, when you let out more anger, guess what you become? Research shows us you become more angry is what happens as you let out more anger. Hmm. And the research is clear on this. So every time people go, well, I got to let out my anger. No, you have to channel your anger.
1: If you, hmm, went, brilliant if you, point.
0: If you went to the gym with your anger and you hit the heavy bag that's fine but when you s- continually scream and yell and post and be angry things on social media all you're doing is you're getting yourself more angry this is, it's a way big difference psychologically and then mm. and then this this whole idea of harnessing the power of connection we've got to be connected we we have we have a human basic need to be connected to things that are beyond ourselves which includes people and other things we just got to be connected to it it's it's who we are as people so you do cover these things but I think the thing that the think the thing that got me in this particular piece is when you and you brought it up and so I'm gonna go with it is life purpose while living your values talk about that because Daniel Daniel Goldman who I love by the way right hmm uh-huh. Um, And, and, you know, he talks about emotions impact, you you talk about emotions impact reasoning and decision making, making and if neglected can derail your ability to implement well-structured plans and that our emotions are contagious and impact others, which they do. But the purpose piece, talk to us about the purpose aspect of it.
1: So I'm going to tie this back to developmental maturity again. Um, As we move through the levels, we get a clearer sense of what we're here for the more I'm able to continue to anchor back to that. And, you know, at 20, again, my sense of what I was here for was to get a better car and have a house. Right. Um, at 50 plus, my sense of what I'm here for is how do I impact the world? Right. Um, it, what it is is less important than the fact that I am connecting to it. And it is guiding my decision-making, so it helps me prioritize and not get as wrapped around the axle about things that aren't on the critical path. If it's not on the critical path, I shouldn't be... Letting it upset me other than slow drivers.
0: <laughs> We're talking with Marie Medcalf. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I was not expecting that from you. Well played. Well done. Uh, she's the author of Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming Organizations. All right, so let's let's move on to the next layer, right? The next layer of this pyramid is situational analysis, right? And it's understanding the organization's background or context is equally as important as the other three. Let's talk about what, what situation analysis is and why is that part of the pyramid.
1: Okay, so so we've now we've gone from the inside out. So inside, I have personality type, and then I have how I mature. So so type is kind of influenced out of my control for the most part. Uh, what I do with it and how I mature it, I have more control over then resilience is both inside and outside. And when I say inside, I can't look at you and say Jay's uh, Enneagram Achiever type, because I don't know. Um, I can listen to you and probably come up with more information. Same with developmental maturity. When you walk by me going down the street, I can't tell unless you do something ridiculous. Um, Resilience, I start to be able to tell because it it is things internal like Thinking, it's also external. Like um, I take care of myself. Right. Situational analysis then starts to bring those all together. So it it is um, knowing who I am and what I stand for, behaving in a way that is aligned with what I stand for. Now I bring in the organization. I understand the organization's culture, right. so its values. Uh, So, so the, like I have the inside of me, my own beliefs and values of the inside of the organization, beliefs, values, norms, and then I have the outside. So I've got my behaviors and the organization's behaviors, which look more like systems, processes, um, technology, buildings, the external observable and why this matters as a leader. I need to make sure that when I am making changes and I either big organization or the team I'm a part of when I change one piece, everything is impacted. Mm. So, um, we put in a new computer system that it will change a little bit of our culture about maybe how we interact with one another. It will change a little bit of my behavior about how I perform my task and it may even impact something in my values about how I see myself as a contributor to the team. So as a leader, I need to attend to all of those and ensure they stay in alignment, which ends up being complex when we're making a lot of concurrent changes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yes. It gets really, it gets really bogged down, right? Because we're making so many Mm -hmm. changes, right? That we have to untangle it. Then (laughs) I feel like I feel like we have to kind of untangle because we're making so Mm -hmm. many changes. We don't know what's working, what's not working.
1: So then, add to that, um, as a leader, how I behave will be different depending on on the situation in which I'm working. So you mentioned elite military forces. Right. They will likely behave differently when they're on a mission than they do when they're back in the office training. Right. And and they will behave differently than um, my university clients. Right. So right. So how I show up as a leader will depend also on all of the elements within the system.
0: Got it. By the way, you just completed the whole pyramid.
1: No, behaviors are last.
0: Oh, but, oh, okay. So, all right. So let's talk about behaviors real quick. Let's talk about leadership behavior. Because I thought you were talking about leadership behaviors. I thought you were pulling them both together. I thought that's what you were doing. So we got to... Oh, sorry. No, 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 um, no. No, no, no. So, okay, got it. So, all right. So let's talk about how that differentiates itself and what leadership behaviors. Okay.
1: So, so let's go back to what you just said. So behaviors... Um, when we look at level four, behaviors are in there and right. they're influenced by the the situation and, and who I am and what I value. Now we pull them up to the top of the pyramid and look just at leader behaviors. Ah. So now. Got it. So as a leader, the. the what we believe is most effective, but but and this is the tricky bit. This is what we as researchers believe is most effective to lead large complex organizations or um, small and, and sometimes complex organizations. Um, it's what we think is most effective, but in some contexts it will not be rewarded. So if the organization is an immature organization. It won't want a mature leader. Mm. Mm. That's that's why situational analysis is before behaviors. Mm.
0: God, do you realize our hour's up? Can you believe that? How- I do. <laughs> we just did not get we did not get to what we wanted to get to. I, I don't know. Do we need to bring you back again at some point in the future? Do we just need to do this again? Do we need to do it with another book? I... Do we need to do another book with you and just do it again in the future?
1: Well, we can do just the leader behaviors, and we have a chapter in the book, Leadership 2050. So this is new, newer content than what's okay. published in um, the Innovative Leader's Guide to Transforming okay. Organizations. Uh, and I think it is it is worth the conversation. It builds on the strategist level of maturity, and specifically at this point in history, and this circles back to the beginning of the conversation— What leaders need to be doing now is not the same thing. They could strategist behavior has been effective for a long time. Right. Many people who weren't that were still effective. Now it's not optional for many organizations. They need it. Right. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, it makes sense. Her name is Maureen Metcalf, and she has been. Brilliant, uh, as always. The book is entitled Innovative Leaders Guide to Transforming Organizations. Buy it. Right? By the way, Maureen, uh, I know that you do a lot of consulting and you're doing it virtually. You still consult virtually. How do can people get a hold of you? I will of course put the links into the post, but tell people how they can get a hold of you if they want to get some consulting help with leadership.
1: Thank you so much, Jay. Uh there are a couple ways you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf. Um, it, there may be more than one of me, but certainly if you look at the profile, you'll see the books and Innovative Leadership Institute. Uh, go to the website, InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com, or email me directly, and the email is different than the website. Is How about do info, I-N-F-O, just for information, at InnovateLeader.com, and that will also come directly to me. I but will- I'll know it came from Jay's show.
0: Right. I will. You know what? I'll post that in the blog post as well. So it's info at InnovateLeader.com.
1: Yes. It's just a little shorter than Innovative Leadership Institute. Got
0: Got it. We will do that and we'll put that on the show. We also put the link to the website so that people can get that. And of course, links to the book. Folks, that's a show. You know what I say every week, right? Be inspired, because when you're inspired, that means that you will be inspired to want to inspire others, and then they become inspired, and they want to inspire others, and that can make this world a great place. I'll be back next week with another great guest, another great book, and another great show, and as I say to you every week, ciao, everybody. Your confidence and the answers don't make sense. You've got to keep your hope alive. You got to know you can survive. This is your Take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength